tis the season for travel, if you're retired. Uh, as, as I've uh, witnessed many people who are in a position to travel uh, right now, <clears throat> not jealous, um, I have also thought of the places I would love to travel, and high on the list is New Zealand, to uh, see the unspoiled mountains and green hobbit hideaways. But perhaps it's not quite the natural paradise it is cracked up to be. Uh, recently, I was uh, insomniac, and I, and I read an article from a local newspaper in New Zealand, and it said, Smash and Grab, Why New Zealand is Being Hit by an Avocado Crime Spree. It mentions several examples of New Zealanders going to great lengths to get avocados. Uh, in one case, two elderly men on mobility scooters were caught stealing avocados from a tree with a 15-foot pole. Of course, they hit the joystick and made a speedy getaway, enjoying an evening of chips and dip. Across New Zealand, thieves creep into avocado orchards and help themselves. They resell them at roadside stands or directly to restaurants. Why? Why would people lower themselves to thievery on a mass scale over avocados? Well, it turns out New Zealand exports all of its avocados to other countries. They make more money that way. So this island nation has to import avocados, driving the price up to $5.11 per avocado on average last year. Stealing just 20 avocados will get you 100 bucks. The value of an avocado is driven by high demand. The almighty New Zealand dollar speaks loudly. You see, there's always a demand for riches, but there's never a demand for humility. Now, uh, Daniel chapter 5 is a story of God's demand for humility. King Belshazzar throws a drunken party and has the sacred chalices from the temple in Jerusalem brought in that he might imbibe from them. He uses the riches from God's house as if they were styrofoam cups. He sees no value in anything from the temple. He values only himself and his wants and needs. Because without God, the default value of humanity is the celebration of self. And then something happens that shows that the Bible is not boring. Fingers appear and begin writing on the plaster wall in this palatial room of celebration. But the king can't read the writing on the wall. His wisest advisors can't read the words. So Daniel is asked by the queen to come and interpret the words. The king even offers to clothe Daniel in purple. But Daniel rejects the gifts and interprets the words. First, Daniel says that these words literally are money. Mene is a mina, tekel is a shekel, and peras is a half piece, are nickel, dime, and quarter. These words are valuable, so listen to them. Then Daniel says these words are actually also decisions, actions. Mene means numbered, tekel means weighed, and peres means divided. 
The Lord has weighed your behavior. Your days are numbered. Your kingdom will be divided between your enemies. And what is the reason, according to Daniel, for Belshazzar's downfall? Unlike his father, Nebuchadnezzar, who was stripped and humbled, he failed to humble his heart. He exalted himself against the Lord. He thought that he was bigger than God. Now the common theme through this story is value. The, great, the question of greatest interest to the Lord is, what do you value in your heart? And the fruits of what you value can be seen outwardly. Money is an outward value. So is clothing. And, and that's why Belshazzar offers to clothe Daniel in purple. That's why Daniel reminds Belshazzar his father was humbled, stripped, literally made naked. That's why Daniel rejects the offer of clothing as if to say, I do not value what you value. I am clothed in something entirely different. I wear these humble values of my heart on my sleeve. And then Daniel accepts the purple robe. Why? In one Jewish tradition, Belshazzar had been so frightened by the writing on the wall that he commanded his doorkeepers, arrest anyone who tries to enter the palace, even if they're disguised as the king. Later, Belshazzar, made sick with worry, leaves the palace by a rear exit for treatment, returning later that night in his royal robes, demanding, let me in. And the doorkeepers declare his robes are a fakery and execute him on the spot by his own command. And now Daniel wears the purple robe to show that its value is only in appearances. The mighty king killed by his own paranoia, the lonely prophet lifted by a humbled heart. We invest in what we value. The word investment originally meant literally to be clothed. To invest is to believe so much in something's value that you wear it outwardly as part of who you are. The Apostle Paul echoes this in 2 Corinthians when he says, We are ambassadors for Christ. Who we are on the inside is who we are on the outside. We value Jesus, so we follow Jesus, and we wear Jesus' values. And the values are very simple. Love God and love neighbor. Wearing Jesus' values means going beyond ourselves. We invest in Jesus by investing in others. And then sometimes these others even put on and wear Jesus' values too. It is an unfashionable fashion statement of love. But we want avocados. We want avocados. There is no good fajita without it. And tortilla chips just aren't as good without guacamole. Make your lunch plans now. In a certain hunger mood, I could see myself on a mobility scooter with a 15-foot pole making my fajita dreams complete because sometimes I need what I need. And thankfully, Fiesta Food Town Kroger or HEB exist, and I could just buy some avocados. The stores carry them because they know that I want them badly. It's a supply and demand relationship. 
And because everything else in my world operates this way, I expect Jesus to do the same. I think Jesus wants me to have my avocados. The church should get me some avocados, right? And we've all bought into this type of relationship. For years, churches have said we exist to meet your needs. Let's open an avocado market right here. But what does meeting the need of avocado demand have to do with loving God and loving neighbor? We've got to stop selling the church as if we are a commodity because we are a community that loves together. Rather than focusing on what we need to consume, we can focus on what we can produce. How can we connect with families and schools, elders and community partners to change people's lives for the better? Jesus calls us to make a difference to others. And making that difference means that we produce kingdom results. Were you watching Fox 26 News this week? On Wednesday, you might have seen folks at our own church on the television. Why was there a TV crew in our church? A community partnership that dropped into our lap, which is why I was wearing a stained shirt that morning, is ready to deliver food to folks who cannot get out to a food bank to pick it up. And all our church has to do is serve as a drop-off point to make it possible. God moves if we look and listen. What moved one of our own Sunday school classes to collect money and children's shoes? Not all families can get them. Children still need to wear them. It certainly is as relevant, if not more relevant, than my need for avocados. And in how many churches can a child with selective mutism be supported in a way that they read in front of a congregation? If you were here last Sunday. Making a difference in someone else's life is something we can clothe ourselves in. It's something that we can invest in. And we have seen the writing on the wall. God certainly sees our conflicted hearts. And God wants to know what will we wear? How will we invest of our time and of our priorities? What exactly is God's value to us? Will we lower our discipleship to the popular demands of a 15-foot pole? Will we humble our hearts to love God and neighbor? The most important part of, of being a disciple is following Jesus and believing that our calling from God is more valuable than other demands. And it's only in holding steadfast to Christ's kingdom vision that we can change the world for the better. Because let's face it, folks, how we invest of ourselves really does matter. Amen.